0: Do things, just a little bit different. Uh, psalm 63, each week when you arrive here, um, have your Bible ready, we'll look at a, either a thought or a psalm, just depending on the length of it. Uh, many times the psalm will uh, somehow be connected uh, with the, the music that we'll be learning, or the song we'll be learning this morning that won't always be that way, uh, but some mornings will be that way. Uh, psalm 63, what I want to do is I want to read all 11 verses Psalm 63, the Bible says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul fall with heart after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, they shall be a portion for foxes, but the king shall rejoice in God. Every one that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Psalm 63, like many of the psalms, is a psalm of David. This psalm is penned while David was in what's referred to as the wilderness of Judah. In this wilderness moments, in these times in David's life, David would find himself in desolate places. Uh, we might refer to desolate places as places that lack uh, even what appears to be our basic needs. To be in desolation is to uh, seemingly not even have basic physical needs being met. But David would find himself in these wilderness moments where he'd find himself in these places, and often he was on the run from someone. Uh, In this case, uh, it was most likely when he was on the run from Saul, although there are some that believe that he was on the run even from his own son Absalom. Uh, Either way, David is in a place of hiding. David is in a place where his circumstances have led him to a place where he wondered, where is God? Now, this morning, you and I can think of times in our lives when we have found ourselves and feel as if we're alone. We feel as if God has abandoned us, God has left us. David does the exact opposite. In the most desolate place, the wilderness, David finds himself longing and expressing a great desire that God and his presence would be felt. Uh, Many times in our lives when we're alone, when we feel desolate, we feel left to ourselves, uh, we often say, instead of seeking God's presence, we say, how do I get myself out of this desolate place? Well, David here, as you see, uh, this psalm again suggesting that David was driven here. David was not here by choice. David didn't wake up one day and say, I want to go to the wilderness and I want to Uh, try to run from the presence of God. It's the opposite. David was actually uh, desiring God's presence. David was expressing a desire that God would be present with him even in the desolate wilderness. Now, when we think about our times and our circumstance, we think about where we are in life. We think about where our our situation has taken us. Uh, One thing we're tempted to do is we're tempted to say we've gotten here by accident or we've gotten here by mistake. Now understand, this morning, sometimes we find ourselves in the wilderness and in place of desolation because of our own sin. Sometimes we're there because we have, we have taken ourselves there. David was being driven by the enemies of God. David was being driven by those who wanted David's hurt to be inflicted upon him. This is not a time when David is placed himself there. David's not a perfect man. We find that David committed sin. David, even though he's referred to as a man after God's own heart, David sometimes... Uh, found himself in desolate places, and here's an example of where he's being driven by doing the right thing. Today, we think about if I just do the right thing in my life, I'm always going to experience this perfect place of bliss. The reality is, is doing the right thing often is going to lead us to what appears to be a desolate place, might even be the wilderness. So when we're in our wilderness moments, it is one of two things. We've either taken ourselves there by sin, or God has driven us there, but we're not there by accident. So David here is talking about trials. This is a trial. Uh, all of us here today, no matter how many are here today, have all experienced a trial. And that trial leads us to feel as if we're in the wilderness. Now there's really three thoughts I want to give you this morning, and I'm going to try to make these devotionals very simple. I, I'm not gonna, uh, these are not going to be uh, you're, what you're used to, where I, I take every verse and I pull every thought out. These are, these are more uh, overarching thoughts I want us to see. But I want you to see here in these first five verses, uh, one, an application we can make here is that no trial should distract us from desiring the presence of God. No trial should distract us from desiring the presence of God. You notice David refers to God as, O God, thou art my God. That word God is the word Elohim. The word Elohim throughout the scripture is applied only to God, and it is designating God as a mighty one of strength. It is to God that David is pleading. David is not pleading to his kingship. He's not pleading to anyone else. He's pleading to God, and he's pleading to a personal God, my God. He says, early will I seek thee. Now, this early has nothing to do with time. Uh, This is not about a temporal time. This doesn't mean that he did this at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. It's not a temporal reference. Uh, Time is temporal. This is not a temporal reference or a time reference. But this is descriptive of a manner or a way in which he's doing it. Early will I seek thee refers to to seek with earnest desire or with diligence. So what David is saying is why I'm finding myself in this wilderness moment. I'm going to seek God diligently with an earnest desire. That's what David is saying. I'm going to do this earnestly. Though David's in distress, though David is most likely hungry, he made God above all else his only meat. Look what he says. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. That's a physical reference. David is saying, even though I'm physically thirsty, I'm physically hungry, I am going to seek you, God, as my physical, as my spiritual thirst quencher and as my meat. It's really a quite remarkable thought. When you're driven to the wilderness, physically you're hungry. The desire is, fill my physical needs. But in the wilderness, the greatest thing you need is not for your physical needs, but for your spiritual needs to be met. Notice he says, to see thy power and glory as I have seen in Thy sanctuary. Notice what David does here. He says, in my wilderness, in my trial, I want to see your glory as I've seen it so many times before in your sanctuary. In other words, I can see your glory even in the wilderness. Now, oftentimes when we're in our trial, we don't see God, but David says, I can see your glory in the wilderness as greatly as I could when I was in the sanctuary. We think when we come to church, that's where I'm going to see God's glory. No, you can see God's glory here. You can see God's glory outside of these walls, and you can certainly see God's glory in your wilderness moments. In this misery, David says, I Exercise myself to diligently consider your power and glory as if I were sitting amongst believers. You know, it's an amazing thing when you're in a trial, it always helps to be around other believers, or it should. And sometimes we think I'm encouraged by that, and we should be. But even if you're by yourself in the midst of a trial, in the midst of the desolate wilderness, you ought to be seeking God's glory first. God's glory is what we ought to be after first, seeking God's glory even in our wilderness. David now gives a couple verses of praise. He says, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. David says, your loving kindness is so good to me that I will praise you with my lips. That loving kindness is, we've referred to this when we've been in these Psalms before, it's covenant loyalty, it's love. David is reminding God of his promises. God, you've promised to love me. You've promised to protect me. And now in my wilderness moments, in my time of desolation, in my time of need, because of your loving kindness, my lips are going to praise you. Thus will I bless thee while I live. Now, some have said David maybe thought he was on the verge of death. And that would be a logical, reasonable conclusion. He says, while I live, I'm going to praise you. He may have been on the verge of death or he may have been making a reference that as long as I have breath, whether I'm here or wherever I am, I'm going to praise you and I'm going to bless you. But it certainly seems to suggest that it's tied to his current situation where he is now saying, I'm going to bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. The lifting up of hands is a gesture of prayer. But it's also a gesture of dependence Uh, we might say even in our prayer god i lift up my hands to you Uh, we don't necessarily physically have to do it although there's nothing wrong with that but if i make that kind of a gesture what i'm saying is, is i'm lifting up my dependence upon you as i'm in the wilderness i'm depending upon you so we have david here wanting to see God's glory, wanting to see God's power, saying, I'm going to diligently, earnestly seek you, even when my enemies are trying to kill me, David says, my soul shall be satisfied. My soul shall be satisfied. Satisfaction is a very difficult place to reach. Where you say, I am satisfied. But notice what and who David is satisfied with. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. David's satisfaction was in God. His satisfaction is not in himself. His satisfaction is in God. What David is doing here is he's remembering God's goodness. It would do us all good today, even right now, to consider and think about God's goodness to us in years past, in days past. Even if you're in the wilderness right now, I need to remember God's loving kindness. I need to remember the goodness of God. And no trial should distract you or me from desiring the presence of God. Someone might say, well, you don't know my trial. No, I don't. You don't know mine. But here's an application we can clearly make that the glory of God is not limited to our location or our circumstances. In other words, God's glory can be seen by us and demonstrated by him no matter where we are and no matter what our circumstances are. That's a powerful truth. It's a powerful truth because we serve a powerful God. We have a God who is not just simply allowing things to be, he is ordaining them. If he's driven you to the wilderness and he's allowed your enemies to drive you to What appears to be desolation, it isn't so that you question God. It is so that will I depend upon God in this moment? Now, if you have driven yourself to the wilderness because of sin, then there's only one way of return. It's repentance. It is to go back to where I know to be right. Again, it's hard to admit that I'm in my own wilderness moment because of my own sin. But yet, if that be the case, then that's what we need to deal with first. Often our prayers in the wilderness is God deliver me. David says, I'll be satisfied. You know what he's saying? Even if you keep me here. Now chew on that for a minute. Even if you keep me here, my soul will be satisfied with your marrow and fatness. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You know, it's one thing to say, I'll praise you. David says, I'll praise you with joyful lips In desolation. David was remembering God's favor. David's walk with God here is so very clear that the remembrance of God's former favor to him, now get this, the remembrance of God's former favor to him is still sustaining him. Oftentimes what we think is, I need a new sustaining. I need a new satisfaction. God, what you did yesterday is not enough for today. Although God does sustain us every day, David says, I'll be satisfied even if you leave me here. It's really a remarkable thought. No trial should distract us from desiring the presence of God. The second thing I want you to think about this morning is that no trial should keep us from remembering the faithfulness of God. God is ever-present, always-present, but remember, he's also always faithful. God has never once been unfaithful. The word remember is not just a to remember with or to think upon with sentimentality. The word is actually to think about intentionally. To engage your heart. If I told us this morning, that the Bible tells us to remember. I'm not asking you to remember with sentimental feelings. I'm asking you, and the Bible's asking you and I to consider with our heart, consider intentionally to engage our heart to remember God's provision. How's he been faithful to you even today? You know, God's been faithful to you even in this moment. He's been faithful to you in this hour. He's been faithful to you over this last week. David is saying that God has always been faithful to me. David wasn't always faithful to God. You've never always been faithful to God, nor will you always be faithful to God. But God will be faithful. While in the wilderness, we've got to remember God's faithfulness to us in the past. David uses this beautiful expression. He says, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Now you notice there the word night is in italics. It was added by the translators, which is fine. It says, meditate on thee in the watches. I'm not trying to correct the scripture here, but it almost does it, a, it reminds us that it's just at night, but we ought to be thinking about him and remembering him all hours of every day. But I understand what God means here, and that's what we're going to take it as in the night watches. And there's that word because, again, just like the word because in verse 3 here's why I do it because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. In the shadow of thy wings. That wing, it's an image of protection. It's an image of provision. David says, even in the wilderness, I'm going to remember God's faithfulness. He says, my soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. My soul followeth hard after thee. It, the literal, the meaning of that is I cling to you. Cling is an interesting word. It's a word that in our modern vernacular, suggests I'm just barely hanging on. But in David's terminology, this is a firm grip. You know, we think about somebody dangling from a cliff and they will, will say something like they're just clinging, they're just barely hanging on. The word cling is, it's a similar word to the word cleave. I will cleave to you. I will be bound to you. My soul follows hard after you. David assures himself by the spirit of God that I will have the gift of constant dependence. The shadow of your wings will be my constant protection and my constant provision. So no trial should keep us remembering the pres- or designing the presence of God. Number two, no trial should keep us from remembering the faithfulness of God. And number three, and this, this may be just as important, although it's the part that our human emotion doesn't necessarily see no trial should cause us to forget the justice of God. There's three real principles being given here. The presence of God, the faithfulness of God, and the justice of God. David says, but those who seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Remember, why is David in the wilderness? Because one of his enemies has driven him there. Who allowed the enemy to drive him there? God did. Now I understand today there was consequences of a lot of things, I realize that Absalom, if it was Absalom that was pursuing David, uh, Absalom and what his 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 pursuit of his father was a lot of the consequences with David's sin with Bathsheba. I I realize the consequences, and we could easily say, well, if this was Absalom, isn't David getting what he deserves? And I'd be careful to say that this morning. But what does David have an assurance of? That the justice of God is just as dependable. As the faithfulness and the presence of God, even in the wilderness, what David is saying here is he's saying those that are pursuing me to seek my soul. That word, my soul, don't over spiritualize it. And here's what I mean by that: this is an intense, uh, an intense word to say they're seeking after me. They want to destroy me, my entire being. They want my life. They want me dead. They're seeking after me. What does he say is going to happen to them? Those that are seeking after me to destroy me shall go into the lower parts of the earth. David says they shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. Here David says that these men will become food for the scavengers, the foxes. To receive a, to become the, I'm trying to, tread lightly on this this morning to become the food for the scavenger is a picture of to not receive a proper burial in other words this is a they will die in shame they'll die in disgrace those that are seeking after me god because of your justice those who seek after me to destroy my life to take my soul they will die in shame David's prophesying here because of the promises of God about the destruction of his enemies and those who take part. If it's Saul, David is saying, Saul and all of his army will be destroyed because of you. He says in verse 11, but the king shall rejoice in God for everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. A number of commentators believe that David is speaking in present first person here that he's saying the king shall rejoice in God. There's a couple of different references here. Uh, If we take that approach that David is speaking of himself that I will rejoice in God. But if you notice it actually probably leans the other way more that this is a reference to Christ but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. So it, it, we could look at it and say, David's talking about himself as the king. I don't believe that. I believe that this is a reference uh, to Christ ultimately. Now, David is a type of Christ. He's a picture of Christ. But David is ultimately implying that David says that my hope and my glory is going to be found in this Christ. I realized Christ had not yet come to this earth. He had not yet been robed in a robe of human flesh, but it was a prophecy about the coming Christ, that when Christ comes, he's going to make everything Right? And everyone that sweareth by him shall grow, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. All who swear by God or through Christ will, who profess him will rejoice in this worthy king. In our wilderness moments, we need to understand that if we will seek the Lord with all of our heart, if we will seek him regardless of where we are, whatever our circumstances are, we will find him. God is not elusive. We have this idea that God is playing, and pardon this expression, God's playing hide and seek with us. He's not doing any such thing. If you seek him, you will find him. In the wilderness, in the desolate places, you will find him. Our satisfaction in God, even in times in the wilderness, will bring us to praise God with our lips, even in trials because of his presence. We praise God today, not because our lives are easy. We praise God today, not that we don't have trials, but we praise God that in the midst of even our deepest trial, God's presence is always there. David was satisfied in God, even in a trial. This morning, that's the challenge to all of us today is wherever you are, is your satisfaction in God? And are you satisfied? Satisfaction is a hard thing. Lack of satisfaction is connected with our discontentment as well, by the way. Discontentment is often connected with covetousness. If I have a problem coveting, I'm going to be, disconnect, I'm going to be discontent. And if I'm discontented, I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm going to find my full satisfaction in God. That's what David's talking about here. I hope that'll help us this morning as we think about this satisfaction. Now, next week, Lord willing, we will actually move right into Psalm 64. We're not going to do this every week. This will not necessarily all be in order. But if you want to read Psalm 64 for next week, that's what that's the, uh, the, the, the chapter we'll be looking at. And uh, you can go ahead and prepare a reading for that for next week. Okay?